Welcome, friends. This is episode 77 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. It is great to have you here. If you found the link through on Syracuse.com or maybe on social media, fantastic. But just know the easiest way to get new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast is to subscribe. Go to iTunes, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher, whatever's easiest for you, hit that subscribe button and you will get this podcast and coming soon. Mike Waters of Syracuse.com, our beat reporter for Syracuse University Basketball, is going to have a podcast. Oh yeah, it's coming. We actually talked to Mike about it on this podcast last week. So subscribe and you'll get all the podcast goodness coming your way. Julian Wiggum is going to join us as usual here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week to break down the biggest question for Syracuse football going forward, and that is how much the youngster, Jacoby and Morgan, at quarterback, and perhaps... Dylan Markowitz, a quarterback, will play for Dino Baber's squad. Now, it should be duly noted that Julian and I did not talk about Trill Williams going to the NFL draft in our conversation. That decision was made after we recorded our conversation this week. So I wanted to offer some commentary on that before we listen in on what Julian has to say about the big quarterback question and everything going on with Syracuse football right now. Make no mistake about it, this is a good thing for Syracuse football. It's bad in the sense that yet another key player has gone down for the Orange. This has been extraordinary to see your starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito, All-American safety, Andre Sisco, and the number of players that have been hurt, opted out, or otherwise are playing hurt for Syracuse football. It's been well covered. This is a young football team. About 45% of the roster right now is either freshmen or redshirt freshmen. The depth has really been tested for Dino Babers here in 2020. But Trill Williams deciding to go to the NFL draft. First of all, good luck to that young man. There were four games left in the season. He probably wasn't going to play in any of those games. And even if he did, he'd be playing hurt as he has been for the past few games. I think Trill is going to get drafted. I think he's got the measurables, the speed, the athleticism, certainly the playmaking ability. He is going to be best remembered for that fumble return for a touchdown, 94 yards against Wake Forest last season. He had the lateral this year, touchdown against Georgia Tech. He's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. He's got the size, the speed, and the athleticism to play at the next level. And being in the same backfield with Andre Sisco, who certainly is going to be selected in the NFL draft come April, and he's going to be selected probably early on. Maybe first round, certainly second or third round at this point, even with an ACL injury. Doesn't hurt being in that same backfield. All those NFL teams looking at film of Cisco are going to look over and say, wait a minute, who's that other kid over there? So this is good news for Syracuse football. The more players that they can put into the National Football League, the better. That helps recruiting. That helps everyone with Syracuse football, particularly with the hole they're trying to dig out of next year. Nick Monroe, Syracuse's safeties coach, recruited both Andre Sisco and Trill Williams. Imagine the bragging rights he'll have to go out and try and get new recruits and even transfers. Remember, the transfer rule is a lot different next year. The one-year waiver will be waived, and you can come to Syracuse and not have to wait a year. Here's the problem, though, with Trill Williams going to the NFL and giving that exposure to Syracuse. How could it be a problem? Well, Syracuse has not had an offensive player drafted since 2013. As a matter of fact, the only team in the ACC since the Orange joined the league in 2013 to have that issue. Dino Babers is supposedly an offensive coach. This is supposedly 
orange is the new fast and everything we've been sold to this offense to be. There's been a, a trickle of offensive players that have made the NFL, notably Tristan Jackson, who was not drafted last year, but is currently on the Los Angeles Rams roster. He hasn't played this year for the Rams, has not been activated, but it was quite a story for Tristan to go through training camp, go through a unique 2020 offseason, and still make an NFL roster. If you're an offensive-minded team and an offensive-minded head coach, you've got to get back on track in getting an offensive player on the NFL's radar. Syracuse has not done that, as mentioned, since 2013. All told, Dino has had five players drafted. Most notably, Alton Robinson went in the fifth round of the Seattle Seahawks last year. But it's been all defensive players and even two punters, notably selected for Syracuse, Riley Dixon and Sterling Hoffrichter, in that time frame. Syracuse's best incoming recruit, if you go by rankings, and that's not something you can always go by, but it's hard to ignore that Deuce Chestnut is the highest rated recruit that Syracuse has had in about 10 years. The position he plays? Secondary. Syracuse is loaded at that position. What Andre Sisco and Tro Williams are showing is with in a 3-3-5 defense, you need a healthy stable of cornerbacks, safeties, rovers, anybody in the secondary at all times. There's two future stars on this roster in Garrett Williams and Ify Melanfonwu. Melanfonwu will have to make the decision about whether he'll return next year as a redshirt junior. I believe he will, and I believe he should. Williams, a freshman, has been fantastic this year. Listen to this number. According to Pro Football Focus, Garrett Williams and Ify Melanfonwu have been the two best players who've gone the most targets without allowing a touchdown pass against them in coverage this season. Melon Fonwu is currently listed, not Trill Williams, the guy who's going to the NFL, Melon Fonwu, as a top 25 cornerback in college football. So Syracuse shows that the future is bright and the future is now at that position. But as they get ready to trot out a freshman quarterback on the field against Boston College, and they're going to try out their freshman in the next four games, starting against the Eagles on Saturday, where is the future bright on offense for the Orange? They thought maybe it was Tommy DeVito, and maybe he can still get there if he returns next season from his ankle injury. But Dino Babers has to show that his reputation doesn't live in the past. And Syracuse needs some offensive stars, enough for the NFL to take notice. Speaking of secondary, let's talk to our man Julian Wiggum, who joins us every week here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast for a little SU football analysis. Julian, the big question for Syracuse football this week, of course, is at the quarterback position. If it's a mix between Rex Culpepper and Jacoby and Morgan, if it's all Jacoby and Morgan, or any other combination we can think of here, Jacoby and Morgan's got to play. Now, Maybe the better plan is he takes over full-time after the bye week. You could talk me into that. That's sensible. But it's time to see what the kids got one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I thought the most interesting part of this, uh, or at least seeing him play last week, was uh, Coach Baber's presser afterwards saying, oh, it's like seven on seven. Uh, I don't put too much stock in it. They were playing yeah, he kind back. of poo it. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, I was like, huh, okay. And I love like trying to, to read through coach speak and what that means. But I mean, he was, he was right. I think he was, you know, playing talk there. It's, it is a lot like seven on seven. You're playing the backups. They're typically playing back. They're not going to blitz you. So I my expectation off of that is to see Culpepper first. And then 
we start to get a little bit of Jacoby and Morgan, maybe second quarter, half after halftime kind of deal uh, to get him actual reps to see what he can do against the pass rush. Uh, when you only have two and a half to three seconds to throw the ball, when you have to read mixed coverages uh, versus one side of the field and look for your second and third guy. So uh, I don't think he's going to start the game based on what Coach Faber says, saying the guy's not quite ready. But I do expect him to get more experience and more reps uh, based on what we've seen, you know, from Babers in terms of how he's been treating his quarterback so far. In the limited viewing we got of Jacoby and Morgan, as you noted, even in a seven-on-seven seven situation, if you will, what did you think? What were your first impressions of him as a player? Uh, yeah, so I liked that he was able to, you know, catch the football, go to a guy. You know, I think he made the most of what he was given, right? He wasn't given much, but he made the most of what he was given. Uh, I liked his reads. I think he, uh, for the most part, Saw like had a guy go to A, look at A, got him the ball. And that was just, you know, routine for him, which I thought was good. That shows a little bit of consistency. That shows he has a basic understanding of how the how his playbook and how the offense is supposed to work. So I'm looking forward to level two. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I thought he did a great job uh, with, you know, the, the, you know, the early parts of the game and, you know, level two now. Uh, layering some concepts, uh, reading defenses and, and taking on pressure is uh, what real quarterbacks do. So uh, that part of the game is, is you know, going to be a great test for him. And I, uh, so I like what he was able to do, but, um, you know, still not certain, but looking forward to what he can do against um, Boston, Boston College, College this yeah. week. Yeah. So what I was impressed with and what I think Syracuse needs at that position, it's unfair to compare anybody who's come after Dungy to Dungy, but what Dungy could make plays with his feet either by running the football or extending plays, Right. Rex Culpepper clearly can't do that. Tommy DeVito didn't do that as well as I thought he could because he is quick. He can use his feet, but just kind of got locked into that pocket. There was one play where Morgan kind of shifted to his left. His eyes are still downfield. He's going through the reads, gets a 31-yard completion to Sherrod Johnson down the field. So just that extra second or two you need, particularly with an offensive line that's iffy, is something he brings to the table. And as Dino Baber said, he doesn't know how to read a blitz. He doesn't know how to read a defense. Well, it's time for him to learn those things. And you never want to do that trial by fire. But given the position Syracuse is in, I don't think you have a choice. And when Dino says things like, well, Rex has the full complement of the playbook and some of the defenses he used for Rex Culpepper, no offense to him. He's a great dude. But if we're just analyzing football, that hasn't worked. That hasn't gone to his advantage that he has the full advantage of the playbook. And that's the thing I'm really looking forward to seeing and I'm curious about Julian is can Morgan in some ways get the ball in the hands of these playmakers? Cause bottom line, this offense has playmakers and they need somebody that can get them the football. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take this back to what would usually be fall camp. One of my favorite periods uh, during that time is always blitz install because Blitz install means we're practicing our three to four basic blitzes, what you know we have to know and how to cover down. And the offense, they never tell the offense when, when they're doing that. Defense coordinators like hide it a little bit, right? So when we come out, it's my favorite because the young quarterbacks throw picks all day. <laughs> all day. <laughs> it, it's like close your eyes, cover your face, and just throw it up and see what happens <laughs> because these guys have – no idea it's coming, and that's like that's typically how young college quarterbacks are, you know, shown what college defenses are like, right? And you know, back fast forward now here uh, to the regular season, 
And this is going to be Kobe Morgan's real first test with blitzes. I mean, obviously he's had the, you know, skeletons and, you know, the you know, in-season blitz packages that he's seen from Syracuse. But to actually go against a, a full defense, uh, full capabilities, bringing unique pressure, uh, that's going to be, I think, a challenge for him. And I haven't seen this guy's high school take because that's really the only way to see how he adjusted that. But that one play was good to see he, he can move. If the pocket pushes him from the middle to the right, he'll feel it off of his left shoulder and push to the right, keep his eyes downfield, and make a throw. That's how you know, okay, he can play college football. You see that in high school, right? Uh, but as these things you know, are present throughout the game, that's tiring. And obviously throughout the game, you're, gonna, you're not the same guy as you were in the first quarter as you were in the fourth. Uh, so as these things keep happening, he takes a few hits. Will he be able to feel that pressure? Will he recognize it uh, during pre-snap? And these are all things that we haven't seen from him. Uh, but these are things that, you know, as fans immediately cognizant of, I'm like, okay, is he actually, you know, able to gather these things quickly? How learn? How quickly does he learn? Um, and that's going to be the challenge he faces this week uh, because he's going to be unique blitz paths. Uh, Dawson College isn't going to come with the same stuff they've been doing. All. They're going to give him unique stuff. So he's got to pick that up and, when you see that and recognize that, you've got to be able to adjust to it. And that's going to be his challenge this week that usually young quarterbacks get to face during spring practices or more typically during the fall for fall camp. So uh, I don't expect the best performance, but I hope he surprises me, shows some legs and uh, and makes some plays this week. One more note on Morgan to hear you describe how your eyes would light up when a young quarterback would come out there fresh meat or maybe uh, there's a great scene in the Shawshank Redemption when the new prisoners come in and they say fresh fish are here. I have Jeff Halfley, the new head coach of Boston College, comes from Ohio State. While their offense has been their story, he has come from Ohio State where they were obviously one of the best defenses in the country. But Boston College, in a short period of time, goes from one of the worst defenses in football last year to about 50th in the country. And you got to imagine, like, Halfley's just going to, come at Jacoby and Morgan with everything he's got. So seeing what a young quarterback does there is going to be fascinating. But one position where we've seen depth work to Syracuse's advantage is running back. Cooper Lutz is like your sixth guy. And he looked pretty good last week, Julian. And what he brings to the table is an element that he can catch passes out of the backfield. That's not something that Sean Tucker can do. That's not necessarily something any of the other running backs can do pro football focus this week rated Cooper Lutz, the third best running back in college football. The kid showed at least he belongs on the field and that when Sean Tucker comes back healthy, we'll see if that's this week or not. There's an interesting dynamic there between kind of the traditional power runner and somebody that gives you a little bit more of an all around option. Yeah. uh, He's a guy who strikes me as that, uh, quote unquote, modern running back, someone who can obviously go inside the tackles, run football, uh, can hit you on the outside, but also catch passes. And that was something I'm like, man, these young guys are here to play. Uh, you know, you know, had the line, you know, throughout these podcasts saying the further you are from the ball, the easier it is to get on the field. But the running back, I think, is a position that's tough as a young guy because you're learning about blitz pickup. You're you're learning just like a quarterback. How do I pass block or like attack like I really should say? How do I pass block? Um uh, where are linebackers coming from? What gap responsibility do I have when someone comes down? Uh, how do I leak out versus a blitz? Ver- and I'm supposed to block first and then get like, you know, these these things that guys have to think about. And it, it's encouraging to see these young cats get in and play and play well because they're doing a good job. Like it, it, they're picking it up quickly. And you can see that 
because you can see the confidence throughout the game. There's no uh, shaky hands or, uh, you know, guys dropping the football or something like these guys are coming in ready to play and having and that just gives Syracuse uh, the much needed uh, uh, benefit that they need. Someone who can catch the football out of the back. It's a short pass. You know, your back is right there. So let's, I mean, I, I love these young guys who, um, uh, between Lutz and uh, Sean Tucker. I, I love what they've been able to do and help their quarterbacks out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's encouraging to me because these guys are going to be here for a long time. And I hope that this offense begins to lean on them more and more as they get older, because these guys will be really good. And these, this early, these early, uh, this, this season, getting all this, this early playing time is going to be beneficial to their career uh, going forward. Julian, on the defensive side of the ball, Syracuse has done a little bit of a better job against the run the last two weeks after Duke and Liberty just were, you know, parting the Red Sea and running through huge holes. I see two things. One, I mean, it better get better after the way you played against Duke and Liberty, right? But the other thing I'm seeing is I think they're cheating up safeties a little bit more. I think they're stacking the box and, and evening out the numbers, which certainly helps in that case. What are you seeing? Yeah, 100%. So I would say uh, early in the season, first four or five games, we probably saw on average four to five, somewhere between four and five guys uh, in the box, like routinely, right? Uh, but as the season has gone on, I think that Coach Babers is recognized. And that it, it's, it's, I like the list. I love listening. The frustration is hilarious to me, uh, the way he says it. Because he's like, <laughs> yeah, we've got old, we've got a lot of young guys. But, you know, our, our veterans is not getting, <laughs> not getting better. <laughs> and it's just funny to me because I know he's saying, he's saying it as nicely as he can. And I know inside a locker room, that conversation is much more stern. Uh, but, yeah, the, the linemen, defensive line has just had poor gap integrity. So, yeah, they definitely brought in more linebackers uh, close to line scrimmage. And then they're bringing in safeties to add that sixth or seventh guy to the box to try to help with, with run defense. The problem though is one, your safeties are young. So they're not keen to uh, where they're supposed to go in terms of run defense, what they're reading. I could tell you personal experience that like, uh, like corners, we rarely blitz, right? Coming off the edge one time, a coach is trying to tell me, Hey, the B gap moves. I'm like, what? <laughs> moves. Yeah. No, it's, it's right. Th- but I just can't say that. I'm, he's explaining it to me. I'm just looking at him blank face. Like, okay. And I just knew I'm going to ask Cam, where do I go, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, for these young guys coming in, yeah, the, the goal is because the defensive line hasn't quite had the gap integrity you would like, they've been adding more guys and bringing up linebackers and safeties. And I think the problem is that line, these linebackers and safeties, not or with this new scheme, still haven't adjusted to it entirely. So we're still seeing some of the leakage and just, you know, from experience, I know that learning that can take a while. And, you know, as, as these young guys keep getting reps, uh, we'll see those chunk yard gains. But the goal, they, you can see it. They've added more guys to the box in, in their base defenses. And that's that's the hope. Um, but again, it, it's it's a risk reward kind of situation. And you blitz too many times, they start going over top. And that's what we've seen. So uh, it's, 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 it's a struggle for uh, Syracuse's defense. To say Speaking of risk reward, I'm kind of curious how this is going to go, particularly out of a bye week. When you have Sean Tucker, who it's one of those, are you injured or are you hurt kind of things, right? Can you play mm-hmm. on the injury? Can you not? Trill Williams has been in and out of the lineup. These are not injuries that have knocked them out. They're just nagging, right? Eric Coley's kind of in that situation and, uh, thankfully, Syracuse is going to get Dakota Davis back on the field, it seems, this week. But 
while they're all individual cases, Julian, how do you think these players kind of balance? Do I play? Do I not play? This is kind of a lost season. If you're Trill Williams, for example, yeah. that kid's got an NFL future. You don't want to mess with mm-hmm. that. So what, what's kind of the balance there, not only from a player perspective, but from a coaching perspective about who you put in? Because you don't want to put your players in position to get hurt any more than they are, but you also have a serious lack of depth. This is a, a rock and a hard play situation for Coach Babers, it seems. Yeah. So one, from the player perspective, uh, it kind of depends on, you know, your your year, where you are, your development and what kind of playing time you expect going forward. So if you're a freshman, sophomore, like this is the best thing that could have ever happened to you, I think, uh, you know, without because you wouldn't be getting as many reps this year. A lot of guys would be spending a lot of time over on scout right now, you know, being told what route to run, not having to actually think about. Uh, where the, if they're a receiver, what kind of space they need to have. Uh, if you're a defensive back, you wouldn't uh, understand like what kind of depth you take in coverage. You're just being told go here in state, like because the other side's trying to get a look, right? So if you're a cat like that, getting these in-game reps and getting constant feel of game speed is some of the most. These are some of the most valuable reps you can get because this the next year when you're coming back for that second season or your, your, you know, red shirt year, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, you're going to come back with that much more confidence because you're, you've adjusted to the speed of the game. You already know the playbook. So now you're just playing. You're, you're at a much better level. Uh, but if you're a junior or someone who is red shirt sophomore in your third year and you've got, you actually have NFL potential. I think that's only a few guys. And I would say it's more so those secondary cats. Like I'm thinking uh, Melifonlu, uh, Trill Williams, those guys, right? Uh, if, that, then you're starting to think, if, how many, what kind of tape do I have out there? And you're kind of thinking, what do I need? You, as a player, you know what, you're, what you need to show as well. Like, do I need to show more man versus cover three? Because coaches, if they're cool, they'll tell you, like, hey, NFL teams are looking for this or that. Um, but if you're weighing, okay, how much of the season do I need to, or if I need to get back, or how quickly should I rush back? Um, if you're weighing that, I mean, you're, you're thinking about what tape you have out there and really how, and how much more you need to put out there. I think if you're someone like Trill and you're injured, I'm not rushing back because then I look worse and I can hurt myself in the long run. I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, dang, my brain is just off today. Uh, Andre Cisco, um, he lost millions of dollars, millions of dollars playing this year right? With his injury. Like if you go from, uh, you know, end of the first round, which he could have gotten into, and then you end up as a back end second round pick, yeah, you've lost 700% of your you know potential earnings. <laughs> you know, that's wild. So uh, for some guys, it's, there's no um, incentive to come back. And knowing Coach Babers, coaching perspective now, I know that he thinks about NFL potential for some of his guys, but that's the goal of 99% of the roster. How do they get the NFL? How do they play professional football? And I know he's winged, and I'm, I'm sure he wasn't trying to rush back Cisco when they weren't sure what his injury was. And I'm sure he's not trying to rush back um, guys that he believes have NFL potential uh, because there's, there's no reason to risk millions of dollars over a season that's lost that really won't be remembered by anybody unless you're trying to compare it to another bad season but no one's gonna remember this year so uh, I'm, I'm not trying to rush guys back so if you're an older guy take your time younger guys get as many reps you can because it's invaluable at this point. thanks for listening to episode 77 of the syracuse sports podcast my name is brent axe 
Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts so new episodes come your way whenever they're available. And be on the lookout for Mike Waters' new Syracuse basketball podcast coming this month.